podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. There is a miracle in our bodies that is simply waiting for us to recognize it and receive it. The miracle is this luminous, loving creation that is living within you, living as you. Everything you've ever needed has always been inside of you. You don't have to create anything, succeed at anything, change anything, or achieve anything. You just have to say yes and receive the gift within. And yet it can be so hard to say yes to ourselves, to accept the miracle of ourselves. This is when we need to find the self-discipline to love ourselves, to show up and stay the course, and overcome the obstacles that we may have inherited in our thinking. Fitness from the inside out often means letting go of our conditioning. Conditioning has its roots in those things we have been told about ourselves and the world, the beliefs we have inherited that might be holding us back. We can spend a lot of our lives trying to follow the same path, subconsciously programmed to believe that happiness lies in obeying the same list of rules, in being more like everyone else. But this is wrong. There is no list of rules. There is one rule, and that rule is, there are no rules. Happiness and a whole life come from living as you need to, as you want to, as your inner voice tells you to. When you feel the need to apologize or explain who you are, it means the voice in your head is telling you the wrong story, and it's time to wipe the slate clean and rewrite it. No more fairy tales. It's time to become your own narrator, writes Rihanna Watson, the author of Brave, Beautiful, and Bearing It All. Opening our hearts to happiness no matter what life throws at us. Valeria Tellis interviews Rihanna Watson. She is a bold, compassionate writer, yoga teacher, wellness trainer, and social media sensation who has come out of the other side of a lot of personal trauma, both stronger and happier, and explores how to strip back your protective layers. Rihanna has come out the other side of personal traumas, including sexual assault, postnatal depression, and a suicide attempt, both stronger and happier. She loves engaging with her extensive online community, helping them be brave enough to live in ways that they previously only dreamt of. Fit, open, vibrant, contented, 
true to themselves and free. She is now keen to share her message of love and empowerment through her book and work. Here is the interview with Rihanna Watson. In your own words, who is Rihanna Watson? Uh, she's just an ordinary girl, um, like everybody else walking along in this world, trying to find her journey of healing and truth and her story she is trying to write. Thank you. I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Brave, Beautiful, and Bearing It All. Opening our hearts to happiness no matter what life throws at us. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you, Rihanna? That's a great question. I, I, um, I've never really thought to encapsulate it into um, words as such, but for me, life in the larger context would be about leaving footprints in the sand for my daughter and others. Um, so long after I'm gone physically that the things that I did are still walking this earth to bring more love or compassion and respect to others. What do you think is the opposite of life? The opposite of life in my context would be numbness. So existing but not living, having a life but not using it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom, I don't think is uh, definable. I think it is a ability to live as a human, whomever that may be, unapologetically in all storms of life and all joys of life and learning to ride out the waves. At this time, what is the world's greatest need and what is your vision for a new reality? I think the world's greatest need is a connection through vulnerability without shame. And the vision is that we are allowing us to see more than one story of each person and the cultures that exist in countries. Right, right. What is love to you? Love is an ability to show up time and time again through all uh, dispositions of life in that you are doing the best to empower another and help another to grow and learn with compassion, kindness and respect. So, so love and compassion, they're different in your opinion or compassion is an, an element, an aspect of love? I believe that compassion comes under love as does most other negative emotions come under fear. Right, right. What is your understanding and idea of peace? I think the idea of peace for me is the idea of harmony when I think about peace. So things working as in when we attune an instrument like a guitar, there is all different sounds, but they are able to work in harmony to create these beautiful musical pieces. That is such an perfect word that you use in connection to peace. Yeah, harmony, right, right. What, where, and who is God? This is, um, I think, a question that is very tough to answer due to the ability for all of us to have a different belief, and it's a very personal thing. For me, I like to place it under the um, thought of faith, 
And so that faith can come under many labels if you were practicing in a religion or the ability to practice faith in a belief of your own self or circumstances or another, um, that ability to believe in something bigger. Oh, so in the way you are um, separating spirituality from religion. Yeah. What do you think is the purpose of life? The purpose of my life is your message in life. So to find your meaning and to make it your message, whatever that may be. Do you believe that life has a grand purpose for all of us or one purpose? I believe that we have a purpose of harmony in the bigger picture. However, each of us choose our own adventure, shall I say. And that detours do detours us from harmony or brings us closer to harmony. And because there's so many of us, it, it unravels in the multiple of different ways right. in life. It creates these all these colors, right? So beautiful. <laughs> right. It's a beautiful world, as the song says, and it is so beautiful because of the differences, right? Exactly, which makes us exactly um, being able to be similar in that we are all different. So let's talk about your book and your work. What was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Brave, Beautiful and Bearing at All? The intention was that most of us in our lives are seen with one story. And a lot of us tend to collectively visualize one story of each human that we meet. However, each human on this earth, including myself and you, we have over 7 billion different perspectives because each person sees us differently, as does each country and each culture. And the stories that we place upon another or a situation or culture or country can either limit it or create opportunities for more and unite And so with the culture of shame and judgment and one story, I wanted people to be able to see what there is so much more than the one story we create about a person, about their life, about their complexities, about their traumas, and that every single one of us does not have it together, but we're all working towards healing and being able to be a better person And it's okay to also have those vulnerabilities and shame and be honest about it as you journey through because that's actually what connects us when someone else is suffering, they see they're not alone. Yeah, and that's such an important um, aspect of healing to know that we are not alone, right? Very much so. How did you become a yoga teacher and well-being consultant? I was always into sports uh, from a very young age and I competed nationally and internationally in swimming and running and water polo. After that time, I was placed into the working environment, firstly as an executive assistant, which I then studied part-time personal training and started to run my own personal training. Following that, I worked on a cruise ship, which got me into being um, health and well-being more intensely and into my first experience of yoga. After those experiences, um, I then, when I was pregnant with Lainey, wasn't very well. 
and wasn't able to move. And after having her running and those types of sports weren't really available for me to do due to being able to need to be there to care, to feed my daughter. So I started taking up yoga as a means to try and move my body to regain health in my body. Mm. Oh, wow. So do you connect yoga to healing of body, mind and soul? I do, but it... um, I believe that it has to be a very aware approach to it. At first, I felt that yoga was a shape and it took me about a year or two until I realized yoga was a feeling and I feel that that message isn't strongly enough um, delivered and my, my teacher that I studied with, he presented that well by saying yoga is not a shape, it's a feeling and it took me probably two years into the practice to really understand that when I really needed it for my mental disposition due to dealing with postnatal and prenatal depression. Right. So it's um, yoga, it's a method in a way. Would that be compared to any other kind of physical exercise in a sense of becoming healthier? I think that yoga can be compared to many other exercises. They all have their different disciplines and uh, different ways of helping the body, but yoga can be done in a very strength-orientated way or it can be done with vinyasas that are fast, so it has a cardio orientation. It can be done in a more relaxed method, a slower method. It has many facets of it, so yoga is very good for that physical component um, of many other areas that you can get in using your body in a physical term. Right, right. I have a a question. I think this might be the right time to ask about um, your understanding of what is to be a healthy person. You talk about fitness from inside out. So what would that be? One of the things that I realized uh, myself personally due to um, suffering depression and um, having to regain my balance in myself was that so many of us are uh, attaining a physical goal from our movement and then we're one wanting a 30-day program or something to ascertain uh, maybe looks of losing weight a number on the scales and then at the end of those times whether we get the goal or not we're no happier we don't feel any more satisfaction we don't feel any more centered or balanced What I realized is after the last seven years of working out at home um, and taking up yoga was that the only terms of happiness that I got was when I rewired that movement was a feel to make me feel better, to make me feel healthier, to make me work through my emotions, to address whom I was. In turn, those movements then led to outside changes, but the outside changes were not the driving force. Right. That is uh, key, isn't it? Yeah. Not just the outside change that we want to manifest. Speaking of change, you talk about in a book self that self-discipline is central to bringing about any meaningful change in life. You use that phrase. So I'm wondering if you see, if you connect self-discipline to self-control. I believe definitely the both are very much interlaced. I think everything in life has a has a connection. And I do believe that today more than ever due to being the instant gratification world that we are, self-discipline 
and self-control are best managed through habits. So at first we create our habits and then our habits create our life. A lot of the time we are habitual creatures, therefore we don't even realize that we may be having that um, sweet piece of food in the afternoon to give us a sugar high or that extra coffee. We don't realize that we've spent two hours on social media when we say we don't have time for movement, but we could take half an hour off and have time for movement. And so our habitual status and self-control by creating those habits, being self-aware and the discipline to manage them um, are very key components to us uh, regaining our abilities to have control and empowerment in our life. Yeah, it is so, so true. I have a set of questions here on the section in your book titled My Naked uh, Truth Statement. That's a very vulnerable and powerful section. So I have, um, yeah, I have some questions about that. So, but before that, I would like to know what is to be brave? What is your definition of brave and how do you define beauty? Definition of brave is um, to be yourself in a world that doesn't want you to be or reminds you that being yourself is not enough. Right. I love that. And beauty. Beauty is the definition of your truth shining through in all contexts of whom you are unapologetically so that people can see your light and others can see the way. Wow, Rihanna, I really love that. Thank you. Both definitions, yeah, they're very profound and true, so true. So, yeah, let me ask you a series of questions um, about that um, that statement that you made. The first one is, how did you overcome so many challenges and traumas? I think that we are all on a journey and to say that we have ever fully recovered will not be my truth. It will be that I have found myself throughout these traumas, found the things that are not for me, found the ways to empower me beyond the trauma and found the meaning behind the trauma to help me to grow as a person. Did you use methods like meditation and therapy or any other methods? I wasn't blessed to be in um, places of space mentally or culturally for um, professional help um, due to being multiple of different countries, different languages, and then internally due to not understanding um, language in those places to project. So I actually went via the method of meditation, movement, and a lot of reading. Reading. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you do some writing too? I did a lot of uh, journaling, yes. It's extremely healing at writing, uh, in my opinion, and from my own experience too. I agree. Yes. Finding those words to describe things that you couldn't understand. Right. It's, yeah, yeah. Just seeing that on paper, there's something about it. Yeah. Something magical happens. So going back, one of my questions relates to that subject of being authentic, just being yourself. 
Why do you think so many of us are terrified to be ourselves? Why we are so afraid to speak our truth? I, I believe as we've grown up as humans, and particularly now that I'm a mother and watching my own child and her, her experience, we are fragmented very early on in this world via the cultural perspectives of what is a decent human the school perspectives, the family perspectives, and then the society perspectives. And so over time, we have learned to suppress many of our emotions thinking that they are bad. And that then in turn leads us to this negative self-talk and this overwhelming shame that often happens with certain categories of us that we mask. And so we have to then go forward to be able to become ourselves, to look at all these messages and realize what was actually truth for us and healthy. And therefore, we have to rewire our neuro pathways to understand that we weren't bad people. We weren't um, wrong for doing this. It was just that we perhaps could have handled it a different way if we'd only had someone to talk to us about it or help us to understand, or maybe it was a great way to handle it in a different space and time, just not with these people. Yeah. Do you think that spirituality helps? I think an inquisitive mind helps. Uh, I think spirituality can come into play definitely, but you don't necessarily have to be spiritual to be a part of that process as long as you're inquisitive to the possibilities of new perceptions. Yeah, because from that space, lots of shifts will happen, shifts of perspectives, and then, yeah, ultimately life will change. So let's talk about a topic that you mentioned too in your book that's very interesting to me, judgment and judgment especially, but hatred too. So how do we become more resilient um, when it comes to the outer judgment and hatred? The outer judgment and hatred takes a, um, a lot of reflection work, a lot of inner child work to understand that all of us are projecting and um, many of those projections, they could reflect us because we often see each other in each other. That's why we are triggered. That's why we resonate. And we have to understand that the, the wording of, of a person that is judging is coming from their experience, their one story. The point is, is their one story really truth or not? And when we start to humble the ego enough to inquire, understand, have compassion for their perhaps non-abilities to see further, or lack of education, or troubled environments, or simply that they are whom they are and they don't know the whole context of your story, we start to be able to stop taking things so personally and start to be able to bring space, which is the most important thing, and give the true responsibility in life, which is the way in which we respond to anything, which gives us back our power. True. You spoke of the ego, so I guess I have to ask you this question. Can you explain to me what ego means? 
I don't have a scientific or um, a specific context of the ego, but the ego for me is is a wonderful two-set process. It's uh, firstly a wonderful driving force for us in a capitalistic world. So it allows us to handle this world. If we didn't have the ego, we, we wouldn't be able to drive our passions and our truth and our authenticity into this world. We wouldn't survive. But the ego also is almost a protector for us from pain and suffering and things that we think aren't good for us, which sometimes are as well. And so what our whole context of life, my, my feeling is with the ego is to learn to, instead of us servicing the ego via judging others, shaming others, protecting ourselves, instead of working on ourselves, we need to learn to bring the ego into service to our passions, to our drives, to help us to make better pathways via an awareness approach. Yes, right. I agree. Um, I like the way you said that. We don't have to get rid of it. It doesn't have to be eliminated. I don't know how we would live, right, without an identity. I, I guess we have to have one, but one that serves the greater good, not just ourselves, but others. I love that. Um, do you believe in unconditional self-love? I've thought about this a lot, and I love the context of unconditional, but I don't think anywhere on this earth do we have unconditional. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think we are conditioned in some way, shape or form. And I, I would love to lean it towards compassionate love and respectful love. Right. So that's an interesting perspective. Basically, you're saying that everything's conditioned so we can uh, really even talk about uh, unconditional anything. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Once we create this space that you spoke of and we are healed in a way or we are deeper in that process of healing, it's easier, it's less challenging because now we, we accept this self-acceptance, surrender, uh, letting it go. So that kind of makes unconditional love possible, in my opinion. I think it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always striven towards that surrender. I love what you said there. The reason I say conditional love is because now that I'm raising a child, you know, you want them to be 100% happy, but you know in this society there's certain conditions that they won't survive if they don't have certain skills and understand how it operates. Mm, right. Therefore, the way you produce parenting, and it's, a, and it's a parenting is a love way of parenting, you still have to provide conditional placement for your child to understand this world. Although you would love to say it's all rainbows and happy spaces and if you're a good person the world will be good back the reality is that it's not and so you have to say you know look if you if you do this this is going to occur I need to teach you how to do this therefore it's not really unconditional because I've already been conditioned to create a certain type of teaching that will fit this certain type of either world that you're creating or world that we exist in so this child can acclimatize and accustomize to what is around them. So I, I, I feel like I, I believe in unconditional love, but I, I don't know how to produce it without conditions when the world and everything we do has some type of condition to it. But I, I think, like you say, surrender to the journey is really beautiful. I love that context. 
Yeah. And that might be connected to unconditional love because we do what we can, but then we also accept what happens, the way it happens. We don't fight too hard because now we know that that could happen. We come from this place of deep understanding. And that has something to do, I think, that it's somehow connected to this space within ourselves for unconditional love, where even when we make mistakes, we still accept ourselves. We still uh, forgive ourselves and move forward without any resentment or regrets or hatred. So maybe that's the, the kind of unconditional love I speak of, maybe. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and my next question is about your daughter, um, Lane. What profound lessons have you learned from having her? Beautiful question. It's such a um, such a hard thing to um, know where to start. I, I think I've learned life again. I've learned um, the joy in the moment, um, that every moment is new, the ability to live and let live, like you said, to surrender and let go of things that no longer matter. The, the wonder and the magic that exists in the sunrise, in a smile, in the smell of, you know, her as a human just brings me so calm, you know, just a touch, a feel. Um, and, you know, even in bigger contents, for me, the sensuality of life in sharing it with another person, you know, the enjoyment of food and listening to another voice, uh, the sharing of different tastes of music, um, and all of these contexts which, you know, come into the senses being brought back alive in the things that we often get um, complacent with. Yes, wow. And that, the word is magic, isn't it? It truly is. It sounds like it. <laughs> I'm not a mother, so, but I, I can hear that in your words, in your voice, yeah, magic. Let's talk about the body for a moment. Um, most of us, don't accept the body. And we often fight the body image. We're always criticizing ourselves and trying to look better in a certain way. How did you learn to embrace your own body? It's a gift, as you call it, a gift. I learned to think of it in a very different context. And that was that after I lost a child and was told I couldn't have a child and then surprised that Lainey was um, coming towards me in the world and he was here now, I realized that life is only experienced via our body and every miracle moment was given to me to experience tangibly because of this body. It wasn't the number on the scales, the clothes, the way my face looked or my hair, any of that made it less valuable, such as having a child, creating a human, um, running with her, flying to see my mother and smiling with my mother in another country. You know, all of these incredible experiences are physically possible because of this human body. And when I took away the human body as a look and started to relate it to, again, the feel, the experience, the opportunity of life, it helped me so much 
to understand that it is nothing what society has taught us of the value of the human body. The human body is, in fact, neutral until you add an experience or a label. So we, in a way, we have focused too much on a body in the sense of um, trying to create labels and specific shapes, even colors. We can see that judgment. by It's just incredible, isn't it, right. Rihanna? Yeah. It's scary. I agree because that is the um, what I call ignorance. And that can be really challenging to uh, witness. <laughs> Um, wow. So in speaking of that, the body yoga, that you have a lot of experience with that. You mentioned that you said something in a book in the beginning. It is hard being misunderstood in my yoga and fitness. So my question is, how were you misunderstood by the yoga and fitness community? Due to the fact that um, I, I, uh, I see the body in a neutral space, a lot of people have learned to sexualize the body in um, in a context that misappropriates the human body. So when we as humans are at home, we are having a shower. We are, we are naked in that shower. We're not questioned whether we're clothed or naked like we are in yoga or in fitness. Or when we are with our child at home and we may be putting on our clothes or having a bath together, we are not questioned whether we are inappropriate. But place yourself in a space of social media, the only context they can do is they link sexuality to the human body and it doesn't, um, it doesn't allow it to coexist with life as in it's a creation of a human. It just it almost demoralizes the the form of the human to become this, you know, disempowered space of a negative space of sexualization when um, this person is just like you or I. And if you went and met them in the street, you would think completely differently or you would at least hold your tongue if you were at the beach and you saw them in the same context or any of these or in a sauna in European standards, you know, where they can actually have communal saunas when they don't have any clothes on. But on social media, there's this um, lack of awareness, lack of understanding, this ability to hide behind our ego and a screen and not think before we respond, which um, creates a lot of judgment and shame on a human that is just a human. Yes, right. You brought up the point that I, I forgot to mention yet, this, the object, this idea of the bodies as an object. How do we change that? How do we change this reality? I think the thing is that when we talk to somebody or we think about somebody, if you even think about a person that we may have lost like my grandmother, for example, many, many years ago. But if I think about it, the last thing I think about is her body. I think about she taught me backgammon. I think about the experiences of being in her home in Tasmania and us um, playing together or going to croquet together. And I think about her as a whole context rather than a service of a context. A lot of people think of the human body when they aren't attached to it as a connectional point, as a human relationship, as almost a service. 
And I think that we need to realize that it's actually uh, so much more. It's um, an experience. Yeah, like some people say, the body is the vessel that holds the soul, the spirit, divine force. How do you teach your daughter to see her own body and other people's body as this divine vessel? We are, uh, in teaching my daughter, it is a process of, um, <laughs> is of is simply beautiful men and, or handsome men and beautiful women. And um, if she has questions, it's simply being honest with her in the approach that this is a human and this is their experience. In 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 their they're having an experience. This is their body, but whether they're big, small, or any size, we never reference. As um as and so when she when she sees me, if and she might see me out of shower, she'll say, "Oh, you've got a beautiful body, mum." And um she will always have that context. So I've I've never taught her about um a bad day of weather being rain as a lot of people and I've never taught her about anything other than a beautiful body I've taught her it's a beautiful body that gives you a gift for life whether you walk whether you're on crutches whether you're on you know a, a chair and so she basically sees every at this stage sees everyone as a beautiful gift in a human body wow that's a, such a wonderful example reference for other parents Wonderful, wonderful. And within this context of a beautiful body, then you're teaching her in a way self-acceptance and self-love, isn't it? It's all connected. Yes. Uh, and I've always um, asked her questions, you know, what do you like about yourself? And um, I ask her to say two things she's grateful for every day since she's been, since she's talked, you know, experience that she's had with her day rather than focusing on anything that a look of her day um, and reminding her that experience came through her body. And um, when she is, you know, when she's discovering herself, I remind her it's just a human, human experience and it's a beautiful gift to, you know, feel the warmth in her hands and all of these things. So it comes under the contextual life of, wow, my body is a wonderful experience for life. Yeah, I love that. An experience, right? Like everything else. Um, talk to me about perfectionism. How did you do it? And how do you suggest we learn to be less of a perfectionist? I believe that um, my, my thought is that if I wanted someone to meet me, I'd want them to know me already if we're connecting online. Uh, so I realized that I would never want to show up in anything that I'm not because I would never want to explain myself. I would never want to to speak above the means of who I am because I'm standing on the shoulders of so many other um, insightful people that I have learned from. You know, we are all reinventing the will. The words that we have are reflecting upon as we speak have been said somewhere else at some other time. The, the yoga teachings that I give, I've learned. So I'm embodying them into my version of my feel of yoga, but I cannot have done this without all of the impact of the other, you know, humans that I have coexisted with or touched base with in my life. And so 
I realized the more I tried to pretend that I was on an island and I had to have it all together, you know, nice, um, nice one palm tree, perfect white sand and, you know, nothing out of place, the more I became isolated in that I would never build a bridge to connect to others. I would stay on that island and therefore never be able to potentially achieve my dreams or goals. And so that perfectionism was that island. You know, if I worry too much about how I look, then I'm never going to get out and face the day. If I worry so much about what my life has caused me to happen, I'm going to stay there for the rest of my life and it's going to never allow me to grow into what I could be in the future rather than I would stay as the past. So I learned the controlling mechanism for perfectionism just wasn't worth it. And acceptance was a key. Oh, acceptance, right. Yeah, no. um, yeah, yes, a thousand times. Do you connect fear to perfectionism? Very much so, yeah. I, I think we've all been wired to be fearful um, in so many means. And so I believe our journey is to bring down the walls that we built to keep love out that we thought we had built to keep love in but actually keeps love out yeah um going back to the topic that you mentioned earlier on sex sensuality and sexuality and this has a lot to do with the way the body is being um, labeled and and used unfortunately it has caused a lot of suffering in so many ways from for so many of us talk to me about how you did it and how we can do it embrace our divine and innate sensuality i think uh, we need to become more familiar with the aspects of sensuality and sexuality and understand their very rich fabric of our life to free ourselves from the judgment we are all born through sexuality and one of the really key components with that is understanding that um, sexuality is the adult form of children's play. And so we lose our play and become a play realm in sexuality, which is why there's so much immaturity in it. And what we need to understand is that re-understanding that it is an environment where firstly humans are recreated and secondly it's an environment where we can express ourselves but in a safe place in a in a safe context understanding that we are allowed to embrace the sensuality entirely and be comfortable with it without it being attached to sexuality it can coexist because without sensuality also we wouldn't taste our food, we wouldn't hear our music, I wouldn't hear your beautiful voice. Um, so all these experiences wouldn't occur without the sensuality side. At the same time, sexuality without sensuality, when we are in love with someone, we wouldn't experience the divine connection when we are intimate without sensuality. It would just become the act of recreation animalistic. Uh, that's so interesting, the point you make about playfulness, that children play and adults 
play with sex. So we have forgotten in a way, we are not exploring this, the child-like within us. So we can play more in an innocent way. We, we don't need to use sensuality with sexuality. So no, it could be just, it could be just sitting with your partner or someone you're completely like when you're a teenager, you're sitting next to someone you're super attracted to and you just feel all the buzzing in your skin. Like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And you're so excited. That's the innocence of sensuality without it being attached to that sexuality, which is so empowering in energy. And, um, you know, the first time your hand touches and that beautiful fiery buzz or sitting and having a beautiful conversation with someone and you're you're solely connected um, without any physical contact is such an innocence but such a beautiful experience. That's true and especially if we are able to connect with the inner qualities of the person. Exactly. Like how kind they are, how good they are. Yeah I love this idea of being more innocent. Yeah just playing more as an adult in not sexualizing everything. Um, so I have a few final questions here for you, but before that, would you like to add anything? No, I'm just really honored to be here. And, um, I just want to thank you for your time. It really means a lot to me, um, just to have these beautiful free flowing conversations. Thank you, Rihanna. It's, uh, it's this, I feel the same ways. It's a wonderful opportunity to just talk to life itself, <laughs> play with life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so my final questions, how do you define success today? Success to me is the ability to live your life feeling connected to who you are and feeling the joy that exists within and around you. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? It's okay to be me. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, that's, it's funny. I hear that all the time and it resonates with myself. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> to be, yeah, just to be just who we are. Um, what is another word for healing? Another word for healing, what a great question. For me, um, it would be, I would say, um, becoming whole. Yes. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I would um, make sure that I just spoke to everybody that I loved to spend as many kind words that I hadn't said to them. Um, I have to ask you that this question. What about your daughter? Um, I've already, we've already talked about this and I said that... Um, we all come from the stars, so I will be inevitably watching her and I will always be in her heart. And no matter what, she will, she will feel me every day. That's beautiful. Does she understand? Did she understand? She did. She, she definitely wouldn't want me to go, but she, <laughs> she, she resonates, you know, the, the concepts of it. Um, and um, I always say to, to do what makes you happy and mum will be very proud and happy. Do you believe in life after death? I definitely believe that we exist um, in some context, but I'm not sure how, in, in what way we evolve. Because from what, I un from what I understand and I'm reading, we are all just transferring energies. So 
there's definitely, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, I've, I've learned things previously and I'm not sure why. So I think there's so much, so much un, untapped information that I don't really have an answer to, but I definitely don't deny that possibility. Right. Well, and I love that word, possibilities, right? Yeah. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I know that we are all blessed to be alive. I know that love exists and I know that the human experience is hard, but it's also beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Rihanna, for this conversation. It has been genuine, fun, and I love your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You can uh, find me um, through Instagram, Open Hearts Can Unite, or www.riannawatson.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Rihanna, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rihanna Watson, please visit her website, RihannaWatson.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.